I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phyllis Gove. And here we are at the end of the Felicity Felicity Fridays. Felicity miniseries has come to a close. Uh, all 22 episodes or however many episodes there have been of this. Um, and uh, I wanted to end with, uh, with two interviews uh, from two people that were obviously uh, incredibly important to the show creatively, um, which is uh, an interview with Lawrence Trilling. He's been on a couple times before, but he, uh, he directed a couple episodes in the last five and specifically directed the series finale of the show. Uh, so I chatted with him about what it was like to do those final episodes and then also was able to talk with with Josh Reams, who was one of the head writers on the show. Uh, he wrote, I think, three of the last five episodes and wrote 14 episodes of the show in total. Um, wrote the series finale, the last two episodes, in fact. Uh, so I was able to kind of really talk with him about the creative process, what it was like to be in that writer's room, um, and what it was like to be on that show. And they were both uh, really great interviews. They're both, I mean, Lawrence has been on. He's been great in the past and he's uh, he's great again. But uh, having Josh on was a real thrill and he's really funny and really great. So first up, we have Lawrence and then Josh. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phyllis Gove. And I am thrilled to have Lawrence Trilling back with us to... Uh, Lawrence Trilling, who you might know, is the EP director on all your favorite shows, Alias, Parenthood, Pushing Daisies, is currently a showrunner on Goliath on Amazon. Um, but uh, specifically, he directed two of the last five episodes of Felicity. Um, and maybe, maybe most importantly, depending on who you ask, the series finale. So mm-hmm. 
I want to talk about all of that. Um, and I want to get to sort of that notion of, um, let's be, let's be honest, the pressure that comes with directing a series finale. I mean, that's a, that's a very big deal. Um, you, you are, you know, the last director in this, <laughs> in this, uh, in this series. So, I want to talk about that as well, but I guess I want to just sort of rewind a little bit. Um, you know, for people that don't know, at least from what I've gleaned from interviews with Matt Reeves and what have you, Felicity's fourth season was picked up for 17 episodes and they were, and the, the, the writer's room was told there would be 17 episodes. And then when something didn't go well, I'm assuming the launch of another WB show, whatever that might very well be, they were like, actually, we'd really love five more episodes of Felicity, even though you've finished the show. Um, so as, as a director, you, you, you come into this. Let's let's call it an experiment because it involves time travel and the supernatural, which is not something that Felicity is necessarily known for. How do you sort of approach that tonally to make sure that you're still emotionally, you know, respectful to the previous seasons, but also have fun with the sliding doors aspect? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, th- that is an accurate uh, <laughs> tee up of what happened, and you know, frankly, we're just completely thrown for a loop, and it's one of the most you know, you're, you're reeling from a decision like that because on the one hand, that's phenomenal that you get a chance to do uh, more episodes. You know, sure. we loved the experience of making this show together and uh, we were all uh, sad to, to leave it behind. So to get the chance to get to play together for a few more episodes was wonderful. But of course, uh, it had been pretty much sewn up as a, um, as, as, a, as a show. And, you know, Scott Foley directed that beautiful episode and it was his directorial debut and you know, uh, doing the graduation and that was supposed to be it. So when we got thrown for that loop, I remember when I first heard the idea of time travel coming out of the writer's room, I was <laughs> highly skeptical to say the least. And, um, I thought, Oh no, we don't, we have this precious legacy of this show. Uh, God, let's not, let's not ruin it all at the last few episodes where we just made some other show and jumped the shark with this. And, um, but to everybody's credit, I think, the reason it works is because the device was just like, okay, there's time travel. She woke up and it's a different time. Nobody tried to do any presto change. Oh, there's no right. vis- change in the visual vocabulary. There was no, um, you know, nothing in the cinematic vocabulary or the tone that changed. It was just like, let's take this one giant leap and just get it over with. Okay. There's time travel. And then let's settle the show back into its regular tone. <laughs> and I think that kind of worked. And then there were certain hidden advantages in that, which is, you know, the whole show is predicated on, you know, Felicity at the at the crossroads of a decision. Where should she go to college? Well, who should she date? And so the idea that she gets to redo some of that, I thought, was it added a level of poignance that was an unexpected gift for us. Yeah, I mean, I it's I, I I'll be perfectly honest with you that I remember watching these time travel episodes vaguely in 2002. You know, I was still watching the show to its to its conclusion, and I was a big fan of the show. Um, but I was a little thrown by the time travel. I'm not going to lie. Back in 2002, uh, I, I was sort of like, wow, okay. So that was a choice. Um, and now with, with years of, of television experience, uh, and, and, and more age behind me, I've really come to love this, this, these final five episodes. And I say that because to your point, it's a gift, right? You were, you really were, if we're all being honest, given the gift of, of a network giving you five more episodes of a show that you love, like that's a gift. 
Um, but then on top of it, you got to find a way to deconstruct Felicity and maybe specifically her relationship with Ben and Noel through the prism of this time travel stuff. It really gives you a whole new way into it, which is also a gift. Um, so I, I was really taken with how I was a little, I quite frankly was quite surprised by how impressed I was by the whole thing just because of what I remember it in fragments back in 2002. This time I was really sort of like, wow, this is a high wire act that they somehow pulled off because it really, to your point, you hear time travel and you're like, wait, 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 what, why, why are we doing this? Um, and it works for a bunch of reasons. And I want to talk to you about those reasons. I think the first is you guys dip your toe in the supernatural a little bit in season one, when you have Megan doing some spells and she does the whole force episode where it looks like she might've actually changed the relationship dynamics of the show. And it's a little winky and I don't think we're supposed to really believe that it happened, but there's enough of a precedent set there. So this doesn't seem completely out of left field. Like it, it, there's a little bit of piping that's been laid out. So I, I respected the fact that you guys did it, but you did it in a way that was a nod to where you came from. Right. And don't forget, we took an even bigger swing with the Twilight Zone episode. So we really went yes. way out of bounds there. So there is, there was that little vocabulary of venturing outside of conventional reality. 100%. But I think, you know, so I think you're right. Um, and I think thematically, you know, look, it was a really great way to explore the growth of all these characters, you know, and that, you know, fundamentally, you know, to see that Ben had really grown from his mistakes and his decisions and was kind of buckling down as a student and kind of being able to make commitments in his life. And Noel was, who had always been kind of followed the straight narrow, was getting a chance to try other things and, and explore more about himself. And, and then Felicity too is, um, you know, just, you know, moving nimbly between these different identities. And it's funny, I was thinking about the change in the theme song even, which is, yes. you know, you know, the, 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 which is that, can you become a new version of you, which is that the, the key line in the new theme song in season three and four. So it's like, that was, maybe that was kind of a precursor or it was a little omen about what was going to happen. They would be, get, get, oh, get to be new versions, you know, a hundred percent. And I think that it's also, you know, the, the show always comes back, obviously comes back to Felicity. It comes back to how she defines herself to the way that she sees the world, the type of person she wants to be with. You know, I think that, Listen, I've done 20 plus episodes of this and Team Noel, Team Ben is paramount, right? There's, it, it is, it's a thing that people are in camps. <laughs> Not much I could tell you. And I, and, and for good, I think that it's great that people are invested in the relationship. And I think it was smart to make that the cornerstone of these five episodes as well of the, of the path not taken. I think we all live our lives thinking about what could have been had we decided to take a different road. Um, and I think that this show taps into that emotional, um, sort of vein incredibly well. Um, I, I sort of want to talk about, did you, I mean, how did these, were these five episodes sort of siloed off? Were they broken in sort of a completely different time? Like, I guess I'm just sort of trying to wrap my head around as a writer. You're told you have 17 episodes and then you're told you have five more. I know that they all aired in, in sequence. So that was part of it, but how did, how did it, how did it play out? I guess is what I'm getting at. It was a whole new process. It was as if a new writer's, it was a new writer's room. So they were done. And, um, and, and I believe it was pretty far along even into the production process because if it had been done much earlier, they would have just 
postpone the graduation. I mean, let's be frank. This was a desperate move to do this time travel. You know, it was because the graduation episode had already been shot. It wasn't, right. you know, it wasn't like, oh, wait, let's just make this, the last episode the last episode and, and come up with new stories to get us there. It's like, you know, it was, it came down to, it was an emergency and then they had to re, you know, sit together and go, what the hell are we going to do? And I guess the conventional road would have been, let's take a look at, you know, the beginnings of post-college life for these people. But that would have been problematic in its own way and maybe yep. pedestrian. And there's a certain, I think the romance of staying inside of the college experience is a much better way to go than rather than see them start taking their lumps as young adults. I mean, I think <laughs> I just, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I want to stay in the poetry, stay in the poetry. Sure, and sure, it's really sure. the poignance too of that we can just keep this going a little bit longer, this life, just before we have to enter the realities of adult life, we can just kind of tease this out a hair longer and just play with the what ifs, I think, was was a very smart way to go. But it really did come out of desperation, no no lie. It was just, you know, it was completely a, a move that just was, you know, we were just sitting around going, what the hell are we going to do? So. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is pretty incredible. And, and I would say, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, in our business and in so many businesses, some of the best stuff you make is with a gun to your head. So, you know, it's, 100%. Just, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, necessity is, you know, all that, but, um, yeah. So I guess I, I want to also, I have a conspiracy theory and I'd like you to either confirm it or deny it for me. Cause I'm not sure if this is true. Um, but we got to talk about the Elena scenes for a second here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Elena dies in the beginning of these five episodes. And then we go back in time. And then essentially what happens is Felicity sort of kind of changes the space-time continuum to keep Elena alive. So that when she comes back to present day, Elena is alive again. Right. And those scenes were cut for time. But I guess my question to you is, was the last episode, were the last two episodes always meant to air together? Because I'm wondering if the last episode, because to shoot that much more seems odd to me, but you tell me, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't, I, I guess I'm questioning sort of how did, not questioning, but I'm wondering how the, did the Elena scenes get exercised, uh, exercised because of time or because like there was just no other options basically? It's a great question. I mean, I think as my, my recollection was that again, there was some pragmatism to this. It was, it was, there came down to time, but also, you know, if you notice that the last episode has quite a few clips in it. So we, yes. and you know, we shot essentially half of our norm, number of shooting days mm-hmm. uh, on the last episode. So part of the gauntlet that was thrown down to us was not only, um, we want these more episodes, but we also want you to give them to us for way less money than it would normally take you to make those five episodes. (laughs) So we, so again, the clip show, which is, which is appropriate and the conceit Mm -hmm. around, you know, the, the getting the undoing the spell and all that worked. But so that was part of the reason why that we had. And then I think honestly, we just ran out of real estate in terms of airtime. And so the Elena stuff had to go because we wound up pouring more clips in, even though oh, it, started, okay. it started off as a disadvantage. We're like, how are we going to shoot this series finale in four days? Oh, we're going to do it with clips. But then once we leaned into the conceit, mm-hmm. it, it, it took on a, more of a life. And so I think there wasn't as much space for the other stuff. And then a set, part two recollection, but don't, don't hold my feet to the fire on this because <laughs> two, two decades ago, 
is yeah. that the Elena stuff wound up being a little um, overly explainy and devicey. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I think yeah. part of what the reason we get away with it is because we spend so little time on talking yep. about what it is. Once you start, you start seeing the seams and the flaws and the logic of it, which I think the Elena scenes ultimately exposed. It was not because of Tanji's acting or the writing. It was, it was really because she's wonderful. It was really because it was like, you know, maybe we're over explaining to our disadvantage here and we should just leave it magical. You know, that makes absolute sense to me uh, because, you know, I just recently obviously watched these five episodes and every time <laughs> Felicity has to explain what's happening, your your like steam kind of comes out of your ears a little bit because yeah. you're just like wait 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 what <laughs> so I absolutely agree with you that less is more um and I and I think it's a testament not just to the show but to how much people love Elena's character and love Tangie Miller's performance that the what happened to Elena thing became such a thing right it's it's right. just um you know they love the character and they just wanted to understand how she just magically appeared at the wedding at the end which is understandable um it, it's yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, it, it, it is a, um, those scenes are online for anyone that wants to watch them. They were on the DVD set. So, you know, those scenes have been with, with some, uh, with some interview footage from you and Matt and JJ. Uh, so if anyone wants to see those scenes, they're alive and well and they're good scenes. Like, I don't think that the scenes are the problem. I think to your point, it's, they explain a lot. <laughs> exactly. No, I think that's it. And then, you know, it was the really the place where that conceit I thought was so successful was when Felicity Felicity was carrying knowledge from the past into her new situations and stuff only she knew but other people didn't when she's telling Ben after he fails his chemistry test and he's going to drop out of pre match she's like I, you I know you can do this it's like she actually knows he can do this but it's like that's the encouragement that he needed but there's this this intuitive sense of like, I've been here before and how it's informing you. And then the anxiety, by the way, of trying to manufacture it this time around since she has a new chance and that whole way that she tries to get Noel on board when Hannah shows up again is great because the anxiety of like trying to even, I have this new chance and now I'm trying to manufacture it just my way. I think those are the advantages of those, of that conceit because people, we do versions of that in our lives, you know? So I think that, that felt oh, very relatable, relatable. Totally. Um, and, and in fact, so the second episode of the five, the power of the X is, is the first of the two that you directed. Um, this brings Hannah back into the equation. Jennifer Garner comes back. So you got to direct her as Hannah a second time. Um, and the, you know, the echoes and the mirrors of, the fugue, which is in this episode, which you also directed. So there's, there's a nice sort of handshake going on between those two episodes. Um, you know, I, I think that to, to sort of, uh, to piggyback on what you're saying, the theme of you can never really go home again, which also seems to be a theme that recurs in these episodes, which is that, that some things are, are destined to happen, that there are things in your life and you can try to rearrange the pieces, but ultimately it's always going to, conform into the same thing to some way or another. And and the power of the X is sort of the real underlining of that, I think, which is that Hannah comes back into the equation and Felicity can't believe that this is happening again, that she's back again and she's destroying her relationship with Noel a second time. Um, how, how was that to sort of work with Jen Garner again, who at this point is off shooting alias and comes to do this episode on, I'm assuming, at the same time, I don't know how. But. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, first of all, it was wonderful to do the count, the point counterpoint with the fugue, and that was very much front and center for all of us. And as we discussed before, that was my first episode of television I ever directed, the fugue. So it has always will have a special place in my heart. Now, so what, you know, a couple of things that were interesting was that, you know, 
uh, Scott Foley and Jennifer Garner were dating during the feud, but they were married at this time <laughs> when we were shooting the Power of the X. And th- it was the hardest thing ever to get them to kiss because uh, in the fugue, there was natural chemistry between a new couple. But once they were a married couple, they just kept <laughs> laughing every time we tried. This, I remember that they just literally, we had to do take after take because they were like, we're, we're, we're married and we're making out in front of all these people. And as if, you know, so that was very funny. At the same time, Jennifer was in the throes of season one of Alias and it had already aired and it was a hit. And she was just in this very incredibly heady space of, uh, working her butt off, you know, learning new languages and fighting and (laughs) shooting 15 hours a day. And so both shows were shot on the Disney lot at that point at the same time because, you know, JJ was involved in both shows and there was some overlap in the, in the, you know, kind of in the departments, you know, some people had left Felicity to go work on Alias. There was a lot of overlap in the culture of the two shows. So pulling her out of costume on one thing, getting her, rushing her over to do Felicity, but she, she dug it because it was, you know, a departure from what she'd been doing. And it was kind of a nice sure. way to say good, say goodbye to the character. And, you know, I think she does a good, such a good job of, you know, she's cast in a position that would make her so automatically unlikable to go steal Noel away. But yet we kind of, she's sort of guileless and we sort of, we love her and she's got a very different way of being than Felicity. And I thought that was the count, the contrast between those two women is great, especially in the scene where Felicity goes to her and asks her not to date Noel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And and there's there is a there's a great energy when they see her at that market, that first scene, because it immediately I mean you can see on Carrie's face the immediate sort of crestfallen component of like how is this possible? How is she back? Um but it's to your point, it's kind of impossible to hate Jennifer Garner. There is something about this this effervescence about her, this this very sort of warm component that to your point you're just like, well, I mean, how? So you're you're very torn, and I think that that's obviously the key to to, to this episode. Um, I I think the inescapability of it is great, and I do like that by the end of the episode, Noel breaks this and does commit to Felicity as opposed to committing to Hannah. So Felicity gets to have the flip side of the coin that she didn't get to have. I guess in quote unquote reality or whatever we want to call it back in right. season one. Right. Um, so I, I thought that that was really great. Um, the Sean and Megan stuff is also really interesting. I think that they have a really interesting arc throughout this because Julie comes back into the equation and throws a wrench into their whole relationship. Um, but Amanda and Sean have such wonderful chemistry together. They, clearly are friends that go way back. So they have that kind of vibe. Um, but what was that like sort of navigating that the, sort of the beginning of that breakup a little bit and sort of navigating through those, the, the Sean and Megan stuff. Yeah, that's, you know, again, a joy to do because as you mentioned, we're all such good friends and, you know, Greg and Amanda are two of JJ's oldest and best friends. And so, um, and I've known them forever. So we were all, you know, on this journey together of starting our career. So it's pretty fantastic. In terms of their relationship, I think, you know, the hardest thing uh, creatively was, I think, is is finding that line in Megan between her, what has made her so hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was her hardness, her harshness. But then, you know, essentially, in com- she's a comic relief character in season one. We don't really know her. She's just there to be the absolute antidote to Felicity, you know. And then as we've gotten to know her and develop her, it's like we were, there was always that challenge of keeping the edge on her and keeping her fear of vulnerability alive because Sean is such a puppy dog and so um, so open and warm. So I thought that the 
you know, initially the challenge was, you know, how do we make her, how do we start to penetrate and, and get closer to her, but without losing what makes her unique and special. If we, if we open her up all at once, are we going to lose the magic of Megan, you know? Um, but what's nice about this side of the coin is, is, you know, Sean's the one with the secret. He's the one who's kind of, you know, he's going to let her down. And that's, that's, um, I think the awkward way they both navigated that was very, was really good. And just very, um, you know, and they're in, cause he's older than they are. Um, so he's got a slightly, there's a little slightly different vocabulary about it than, than if you're in college, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that this all sort of speaks to I, what I would argue is sort of the brilliance of these, of these five episodes is when you're ending a show and I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but I'm going to want your commentary on it a second. But you know, when you're ending a show, you have to sort of, you have to be nostalgic because your audience is nostalgic, right? They, you want to sort of make them think back on this hundred or so episodes of television that you've made and all the wonderful times we've been through together and all of that. Like it's important. And I think one of the smart things that these episodes do is bring these old flames back into the equation as wedges into the relationships that are working or not working at this point. Um, I mean, obviously Hannah is that and then Julie becomes that in, in, uh, in spin the bottle and, and, uh, and the Felicity, uh, interrupted uh, after that. But I think that, um, you know, I guess, I guess I want to kind of get your thoughts on how do you thread that needle of nostalgic and, and, and referential to the show that came before it, but not being treacly. Because I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about this the last time you were on um, about, you know, the Jason Kadams world, right. And how Jason is so good at finding those, that balance of uh, sentimentality and not treacly and finding that balance. And I think you did that in these episodes too. And I want to sort of get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, look, there's a built-in advantage about a show that is about college. And then the show that's four years long, like colleges and that, you know, it's going to have the shape and that at the end of college, you start to become nostalgic and, and think back. And as you're also la- about to launch into adult life so that, the shape of that, um, you know, the, the container of that was easy to pour ourselves into, I think, and then have a sort of built-in poignancy. But of course, I mean, it comes down to a couple of things, which is just, you know, starting with Carrie, who just is able to hold, you know, a tremendous amount of uh, a, such a range of like of self-doubt and enthusiasm and fear and vulnerability and comedy. And, you know, because she never becomes a, a weepy mess or a treacly mess. We, we, we don't. And I think, you know, right. Matt, something that Matt, you know, Matt Reeves, I think brought to this, I mean, JJ and Matt are all over this thing in every way, but I think Matt's particular gift as a director and writer is about finding exactly that line you're talking about. And, um, and like Jason Kadams, it's that, that idea of, going just far enough with the vulnerability, but also holding something back, you know, so that um, there's that little bit of restraint that can be so poignant. You know, it's like when someone, when the word gets caught in someone's throat, that is more emotional to an audience than someone weeping, you know? And I think that I may have said this before, but it's like, you need to have a little restraint so the audience can cry, you know? And so I feel that the show walks that line really well. And then of course, leavening it with humor. That's the other thing. You don't take yourself too seriously. You're constantly saying, yeah, we get it. These guys are in college. They're hyperbolic. Everything's huge to them, but it's just another crush. And making it matter a lot and at the same time having a sense of proportion about it, um, I think is something the show did really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I agree, and I also think that you know these episodes is sort of a microcosm of the various ups and downs and the you know the balance that the show had to find. You know, it it's 
and it gets to a somewhat dark place. You know, you, you, the Felicity interrupted episode, the, the penultimate episode of, of the series, you know, does see Felicity in a mental institution. Um, and it, it does go there. Um, you know, and, and what I appreciated about it, not only that it's about, supporting your friends, believing your friends and all of that. But, but the fact that it's about Ben being the one that believes her, Ben's the one that gets her, that gets her out of the, the institution for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and you know, it goes to a dark place. Obviously we, we, you guys killed, killed Noel at the end of that episode. Um, and, and I do love that she gets a phone call from officer Trilling. So at least you get to be the one. To <laughs> Noel is dead. <laughs> so there's that. Uh. You know, I, there's a, there were a couple of really big inspirations, I think, in those things. Um, mm. You know, one thing, we had a couple touchstones. You know, one was Ordinary People, you know, and that movie was constantly talked about in the writer's room as, you know, the gold standard for how to mine, you know, emotion and mental health and vulnerability and how someone's growth is in direct proportion to their sure. willing willingness to be vulnerable. And sort of the way that was architected in... Um, ordinary people was always something that we were looking towards. And then the killing of Noel, I have to say, you know, owes something to 30 something because in 30 something is really kind of the, the spiritual father of, of uh, Felicity in a lot of ways. Um, and, um, you know, Gary dying at the end of, of 30 something was so poignant. And I think this was kind of our, our version of that. Um, because I think, you know, again, that was, that show was deeply important to us, um, just in terms of being fans of the show, but also how to navigate these kinds of relationships and, and, and that line, you, like you talked about between sentiment and comedy and how to mine emotion without being obvious, obviously manipulative or treacly, you know, those yeah, are, those I mean, are touch- huge. And you can feel them, especially, you know, as you guys are ramping into this, you know, these final two episodes, you really get a sense of, um, you're feeling the weight of the end, you know, you're feeling that like the show knows that it's getting to that place. And that's also a tough thing to do. I kind of want to talk to you just sort of about like series finales kind of in general and how, um, you know, a series finale in broadcast and how different that is from a series finale in cable or streaming. Now, you know, a lot of, creators uh you know have the freedom now to end shows when they want to end shows Mm -hmm. um back in the day it was more like can you please make 500 episodes of this thing and then when you don't care anymore can you please give us something sentimental uh and 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 you know and uh um satisfying to its audience that's tricky to do i think that 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 this show does a really good job of of making sure that there's a finality to it and at the same time a sense that these characters are going to go on and lead a wonderful life, which is what the audience wants, you know, that saying goodbye mm-hmm. to your friends. Um, so as you approach this final episode, how do you sort of, what, what was your headspace like as you were approaching this final episode? Yeah, I've been blessed to do this a few times since, which is due to the series finale of a show. I got to do it on Parenthood and Pushing Daisies also. And I'm about to do it on Goliath. So it's in, in, in each of those cases, actually in the case of uh of, of pushing daisies that we didn't know, but we suspected. So we kind of, this could be the end, but let's, so let's say, let's make it, that was harder with parenthood and with Felicity. Yeah. We knew it was the end. So it's a great advantage. And I would say that, you know, 
um, there is a real poignance and weight in the experience of it. You know, as we're getting, as you're seeing the days tick down and as we're wrapping certain actors and clapping them out on set, which is what we do when someone's finished, um, there was a real poignancy. And there were moments when, um, you know, where you'd see the, I would look off the monitor while a take was rolling and see crew members in tears, you know, particularly when Felicity's lighting all the candles on the shrine, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, we had used to have Sarah McLaughlin on on these. Uh, I don't know who the, it is the, now. The music replacements are absolutely painful to me, but um, uh, I agree. So the experience was as people doing this was very bittersweet and beautiful because we loved doing this, and yet we also felt like it felt like about the right time to be moving on. So it had this. So there was the poignancy of us as creative collaborators and friends saying goodbye to each other. And um, it was very weighty. And I think it mostly really helped us, you know, the um, one thing that was, you know, what you talked about is trying to capture both the poignance of, of what the experience had been, but also the looking forward into something beautiful. You know, there's that last montage at the end of the episode, which is, you know, um, which was, you know, scripted just really to be a, um, you know, sort of moments from the wedding. And I was trying to get something going to just bring everybody together and just find that moment where like they're all together in one place and they can all really connect. And so it wasn't really working well. So I told Greg to get up and make a toast, but not to make the toast as Sean, but to make the toast as Greg telling everybody in the cast what it meant to him to be on the show these four years. And he spoke so beautifully and so and extemporaneously and the reactions you see from everybody the tears the laughter that's all very real and it's all about what he said that night about how beautiful it was and it was kind of magical too because matt and jj were both very wrapped up in other stuff at that time they were still um making the show from but not not on set very much at all mm-hmm. because jj was doing alias and matt was already um onto other things but they both showed up kind of in that, those last few hours and they were there for that and it was just, it was beautiful. And, um, you know, and so we just, we captured that so, so nicely in that moment. That was like the experience as people and as characters, you know, colliding in this great way. And it was, that was sort of a nod to the end of Diner, the movie Diner. Yeah, but, it's a great um, movie. Which I- um, but anyhow, that's, that was, that's my biggest memory of that experience. It was Greg making that toast and particularly Amanda weeping, but other people just... <laughs> <laughs> laughing, crying, sure, and, sure, you know, and and when we got into the editing room at the end, that was working like beautifully, but we somehow just didn't have this the the, the final image somehow, like the the camera didn't quite land on Carrie with the right moment at the right thing, and and then Matt took a look at it and said, why don't we put that moment in from the pilot of her turning around? I was like, ah, that just brings it all together in it the does. most beautiful way. That it rounded the circle in the best possible way. So that was. That was Matt's uh, Matt's inspiration. Yeah, that that I was I was just going to ask that final moment is I mean if you, not to get too intellectual about it, but that's that is the moment that the series ha- like that's the impetus of the series, right? It's the moment yeah. of the of her thinking maybe wrongly that Ben was interested in her. It's this it's this moment when she's like, oh my god, this like you can see it on her face, you can see the excitement and the spark of the show in that moment, it, it could not be a more perfect uh, final image of the, of the series. I, I also want to say, um, so Greg telling that story, you can see 
I mean, you know, probably better than anybody when someone's genuinely laughing and when someone is pretending to be laughing. Right. And they are genuinely laughing. Like there, you can see that Carrie is really, really like they are. He's telling stuff that is, you know, perfect. Yeah. He's, he's a genius at that. And he was roasting them and <laughs> finding everybody's foibles. And, but you know, he does it in such a loving way. So it was, uh, I'm glad Greg talked, talked about it too. It's such, it was such a memorable such a memorable experience. So I, I, I want to just uh, quickly just ask about sort of the, so the last episode has a fair amount of clips in it. And I guess my question is, was it, were the clip, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it the type of thing that each of these, these moments were scripted or did you guys kind of figure out which moments you thought would be the most poignant? How, how did that work? It was scripted because if you'll notice the transitions that are out of the things that we shot, you know, were Felicity teeing things up, essentially. Um, we knew which clips we were going to, but I think, you know, how much of the clip we were going to use. And, you know, uh, that was a, a, a discovery process in post. And, 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 you know, because, again, the show had to be sure, to, the, to the frame a certain length. So. <laughs> Um, you know, we had to expand and contract as we went, but it was pretty much designed. But again, it was the, um, it was necessity being the mother of the mention because we, we knew we only had a couple of days to shoot the episode. So that became the conceit. And as it turns out, it was a good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as, as the episode was laying out, I was like, as far as, and, and, and as some series finales go, you often have shows. The one that comes to mind is something like Seinfeld, where you have to find ways to try to bring back as many characters as you can to remind people about the show that they've watched for however many years. And as far as those conceits go, this was a really effective one. You know, this idea that the only way to break the spell is for her to have to go through her past is, you know, on paper, maybe it sounds a little bit much, but in execution, it was executed really beautifully. I thought Kurt Fuller was great as uh, as Korsakoff, this mm-hmm. wizard, I guess. I'm not really sure how else to describe him, but um, I thought he was great. I thought he had a really great energy. Um, and again, like, I mean, you're never going to go wrong with Kerry Russell sitting on a couch uh, reminiscing about, you know, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. I mean, did you, did you, how did you feel about it when everything was said and done? You know, did you, when you looked at the final cut, did it feel like, you know, you were, you were obviously happy with it, I'm assuming. Yeah, I was proud of it. I mean, again, this was a huge gift that I got to direct the series finale because I thought, you know, it was supposed to be Scott Foley that did it. So, we, you know, <laughs> not that I was bitter. He just, yeah. you know, he got, I was very happy that he got his shot, but I was more than happy to get to do it two more times and get to do the last one. Sure. And, um, yeah. So, no, I was very, very proud of it. And, um, you know, watching it again after all these years, you know, I, I think, you know, there's so many things that I love about it, but really it comes down to Carrie because she, what she can do as, you know, being someone who seems like she has all these obvious, gifts and still be an underdog and still for us to feel her fears and her neurosis and be so with her. And she's just unbelievably, you know, wonderful to go on the journey with. And that I, you know, not that I'd forgotten that, but watching again after all these years, I was like, Oh yeah, we're buckling up and getting on the ride with her and everything else is, you know, supporting that. Yep. Well, I mean, Lawrence, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on to talk about this and, and to, to walk through these, these episodes with you again. And specifically the finale, as we, as we wrap up this mini series, uh, it wouldn't have been the same without uh, getting to talk to you about it. So I really appreciate that. Oh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. So thanks for including me. 
Hey guys, it's me, uh, Phil, again. Um, so now we have my interview with Josh Reams, who was one of the head writers on Felicity. Um, and I talk with him about what it was like to be on the show. He joined, uh, in season two. So we talk about, um, you know, the breaking of, of season two and Felicity cutting her hair and, and the sort of the, the big kind of, um, you know, swings that they took at the top of season two. Uh, and then we talk about the, uh, the end of the series. He wrote three of the last five episodes. So we talk about what it was like, uh, writing essentially two series finales for Felicity. One, uh, where, you know, essentially she graduates and then one where Warner Brothers says we want five more episodes. So make up something. So, uh, we talk about that process and it was uh, a really great interview. Um, he's really funny and, uh, really heartfelt about his time on the show. And, uh, uh, I think it's one of our better interviews. Um, but I also just want to say, uh, thank you to everyone who's listened. You know, I've done, uh, 22 of these or something like that. And it's a show that's been, uh, really important to me and really inspirational to me over the years. Um, and, you know, obviously I did this one alone <laughs> without Kenny. Uh, and perhaps, you know, there might be more TV shows that I cover by myself, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it's, it's a real watermark show for me. Um, I've rewatched it many times over the years and to be able to do a deep dive into each of these episodes over the last couple months, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, nonetheless, has been, um, it's been really, uh, it's been really wonderful and really lovely. And I appreciate everyone who's, uh, who's listened to these episodes. It's, uh, it's really meant a lot to me. So here is Josh Reams, um, to talk about, uh, wrapping up Felicity. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled to have Josh Reams here, the showrunner currently of Dynasty, um, the showrunner of Felicity, we should say, in the end? Were you the, were you the, I don't know if I was officially the showrunner, but I was certainly way too involved. Um, Um, you wrote the finale uh you wrote two finales in fact so we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that um but uh i just sort of want to rewind for a quick second here um and ask so where were you in 99 i know that you were working on chicago hope for the first half of 99 perhaps and then felicity for the second half but yeah yeah i guess that's true i guess i was finishing my third year at Chicago Hope and uh, my contract was up and I was ready to move on. Um, (laughs) And Jennifer Levin, who I had been on Chicago Hope with, had gone on Felicity for season one. And uh, obviously we were still in touch and, you know, she was like, you should come and get on the show and meet with JJ and all that stuff. Uh, and I did, and it was the only, I think that was the only show I met on and I met with JJ and we got along very well. And, uh, yeah, next thing I knew I was on the show and it was, you know, I think there were only four writers in that second season. Really? Yeah. That's crazy to hear. That's very small room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you wrote, uh, 14 episodes of Felicity in your time on that show. Um, I don't know if you know that. (laughs) I I know I wrote a lot. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a healthy amount of episodes for, for a television show. Yes. Um, you know, how, so, so you meet, so I guess just to rewind even a little bit more, how did the Chicago Hope, uh, job happen? I mean, for, for our listeners who are TV writers, TV was different in the nineties as it is now. Um, so getting on a show, um, was just a different process. So I'm just sort of curious as to how that happened for you. Well, it was kind of a weird, uh, fluky process, uh, in the sense that, like, I had wanted to be 
uh, a sitcom writer. I wanted to be a half hour writer. And I had written like 20 sitcom specs at, at least. <laughs> like I would write a spec and then I would be like, oh God, that's terrible. And I would just start another one right after it. Um, and I had a friend at the time who was an assistant at CAA who was then going to become an agent. And it was like, you know, that thing sure. of like, when I become an agent, I'll be your agent. It'll be great. Um, and then he coincidentally, uh, when he became an agent, weirdly represented the showrunner of Chicago Hope at the time, who was John Tinker, because David was doing other things. Ten other shows. Yes, exactly. Um, and he said, uh, you know, why don't you just go in and meet with John? You'll like him. Uh, you know, he's into sports like you. You'll have a good time. You'll talk. And I was like, but I want to be a sitcom writer. This is the opposite <laughs> of a sitcom. Uh, so, like all great agents putting yes. you in a meeting that makes no sense. Exactly. It was totally. And I was in film school at the time. Uh, and so I was like, whatever, I'll just do this because why not? Uh, so I went and because I was young and you know, hungry as opposed to now where I'm just old and hungry. Uh, I went in with like 30 ideas, uh, for uh, freelance episodes. Um, which I couldn't come up with 30 ideas right now for anything. Um, but at the time I was really filled with ideas. (laughs) And so I pitched him, you know, all these ideas, he picked a few and, uh, he was like, great. Why don't you, uh, write a freelance? And I said, great. Uh, and so I went, I went through this whole long process of writing the freelance, which then of course never aired or was shot. Um, for whatever reason, I don't even remember why, but looking back, I was like, Oh yeah, of course. I don't even think he ever read it. Um, but I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He liked it enough, or somebody told him they liked it enough, that uh, they called me and offered me a job as staff writer uh, the next season. So that was on season two, and then I worked on season three, four, five after that. What a business we work in, Josh. Yeah, it's a little, it was a little crazy. <laughs> um, so um, so I, I have to ask, just because we just recently did uh, Lake Placid, and we also just recently did Mystery Alaska, the two David E. Kelly feature credits. Uh, we will be doing uh, Ally McBeal, and, and I'm sure we will cover Chicago Hope in some form or another. I mean, David E. Kelly at that time, has his name on over 150 episodes of television in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a shocking uh, thing. So I just, you know, it's rare that I get to ask somebody, you know, what was the, what was his process like? What was the process like on 
those shows? Well, I mean, I'm sure you've heard various rumors, uh, you know, some true, some sure, not. Sure, sure. Um, you know, he did sit in his office at the end of the hall and write on the legal pad just and just kept writing all day long. And then he would hand it to his assistant right. who would type, type it up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he would write. Uh, at some point, I think he would write uh, short because uh, he knew he would always have to like add scenes later. So he would wait and then they would shoot it. And then he would realize, okay, I think I'm missing this scene and this scene. Um, So it was a very strange, uh, it was a very strange process that he had. And, you know, he's was, and I'm assuming still is very private. um, And so he did not, you know, mingle too much with the writers. Um, Although I, to have an amusing story, which is my father at the time uh, was his dentist. So I had actually met with David Kelly years before that when he was, oh, he was actually, he told me he was working on this pilot about a small town and a sheriff and, and it was picket fences. Um, And so I remember we had a lunch at the commissary at 20th Century Fox and he was like, uh, so, you know, my advice to you is to, you really just need an agent. And I said, well, I said, well, I actually have a guy who's going to be my agent as soon as he gets uh, promoted. And uh, David was like, okay, great. Let's just talk about sports now. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about sports. We talked about LA law a little, cause I was a big fan. Um, and you know, I asked him some questions and told him some episodes that I really enjoyed. And that was that. But then on the first day of Chicago hope, um, and he didn't even know I had been hired on Chicago hope. Cause I was <laughs> purely John Tinker and he was off doing his other stuff. And so on the first day of Chicago, hope, we were all the writers were, uh, you know, trekking out to lunch together to the commissary or somewhere. And he was outside that we had like a bench outside our Swiss chalet building on the Fox lot. And he was writing and you know, whatever was looking down and he looked up and he saw all, there was probably like 12 of us and he saw me and he goes, Oh, Hey Josh. And then he just looked down and kept going. And all the writers were like, Oh my God, what just happened? (laughs) How does he know who you are? And so they were all convinced that David Kelly had hired me personally. And I was like, this is the first time he's known I was there. I'm shocked he knows my name. That's Um, amazing. But he was always very nice to me. And, uh, I hear he's lovely. I've I've heard nothing but positive things about the about the experience. One of one of the directors of an episode of mine of Station Nineteen worked with him and uh and just said that the process was just unlike anyone else in in its own way. And yeah. and and I think that that's we all have our own ways of doing things, and he obviously found a way that worked really well for him and 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 more power to him. You know, um so what were the how was Felicity different in terms of the writing and in terms of the room? In comparison to Chicago Hope, um, it was the complete opposite. In uh, in the sense that on Chicago Hope, we like would have a room for the first two weeks of the season or something, <laughs> and you know everybody would throw out medical ideas and you know, which is weird because it was a serialized show in in many ways, uh, but you wouldn't know that by 
the way we did the stories. And then, you know, it would be like, hey, you go off and work on episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, pointing to everybody. And then you went off and like worked on your episode. And there was a small group uh, within the larger uh, writing staff that we all helped each other and wrote each other stuff. And because otherwise you literally had no help. So it was, you know, it was me and Jennifer and Ian Biederman and Tim Kring. And we really sort of, you know, had our own like mini room when like nobody was around to help us. And then that was just the way it was. And then at the middle of the season, we would do it again. We would meet for two weeks and go over big picture stuff. And we, it was a good old day. How is there any, how is there any continuity? (laughs) Well, that was the problem. There were times when, uh, you know, episode seven would be writing something. And then episode six would be like, Oh no, I just wrote that story. And you'd be like, oh, well, I wish I would have known that before. That's a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot of that. That happened a few times. But on the plus side, we had like two-hour lunches. So that was good. Right. So you go. Um, Um, So so Felicity, was it a lot more – and I I kind of – I'm going to ask a sort of a more specific question in terms of – so you come into the show in the top of season two. Yes. And – where where essentially uh, the show has been blown up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, end of season one, she goes off with Ben. Top of season two, she gets with Ben. Ben's a coward, can't handle being with her. She cuts off all her hair, quits pre-med, becomes an artist. And the, and basically, the whole show is sort of thrown to the wind. Right. Although you're, you're really boiling it down to the nuts and bolts there, but yes. <laughs> but you, my, my, yes. I, but the reason I'm asking the question is, and I haven't been able to talk to anyone who was there during this moment. And like, that's unbelievably bold as you can speak to, right? I mean, to, to throw caution to the wind like that for a show that's a hit and to basically, and basically say to your audience, we dare you to keep watching this show. Um, you know, what was that like? How did that manifest? How was that sort of, you know? Um, well, you're forgetting one thing, which I don't know if you're forgetting or just don't know, is that, because you weren't there, uh, is that uh, we didn't know who she had gone away with, Ben or Noel. <laughs> sure, of course, of course. So we spent the first weeks going back and forth between who it was. That's and, amazing. And we would spend one day and it would be Noel. And then there was one day I remember it was, we had decided it was Noel and JJ had gone out and was at a meeting or something and he came back and we were like, no, we think it should be Ben. And he's like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so we changed our minds a million times. Um, but then we did eventually settle on Ben. Uh, and then, you know, we didn't think we were blowing anything up. We just knew like, you know, we liked the haircut idea because it fit with like, let's, let's break them up because we can't, you know, have them together for an entire season. Um, you know, looking back, maybe we broke them up too soon. Who knows? Um, I just to be clear, just to cut you off real quick. Yeah. I'm a big fan that you guys did this just to be abundantly clear. I, I think that it's, I think it was a bold decision and it shows how bold this show was within the parameters that it existed in. I was in no way denigrating the choice. Oh, I no. just, I, I think that it's really interesting how, courageous this show was at that time and i don't know that that's a label that a lot of people give to the show i think the haircut heard around the world is a thing that this show has around its neck which is fine and but i just think that 
to your point, and we'll, and this ties into the to the final episodes as well, which is you gave yourself the most opportunity to write. You gave yourself the most the right. most avenues and the most exciting things to do. Um, and you wanted to write the best show you guys could, as opposed to perhaps feeding the audience in the way that they're used to. Right. No, that's for sure. And, and, you know, we really did think, oh, this is a great story. She's, you know, she's going to cut her hair. She's going to, you know, turn her life around. And breaking up with Ben seemed like, you know, they're in college. People break up and get together and, you know, things happen. Um, and so let's make it, you know, as real as possible. And so it was, yeah, it, it was that we just thought like, okay, we can get good stories out of it. Right. And, and, and I would argue that it did. Now I know that season two was a bumpy ride for you guys from a ratings perspective. It shifted time slots. It did all sorts of stuff and it wasn't, um, you know, it, again, it's sort of, it was a test to your audience. And I think perhaps at a time when audiences weren't really tested. So that's that's sort of part and parcel of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, her hair grows out. It's all fine. Season three, your ratings go back up. You guys get a solid time slot. And the show seems to be working in, in a really interesting way. I think that each season, and I, I talked with Joanna Robinson about this last week, each season feels like its own thing. And I love when a show can make a season feel like its own entity mm-hmm. within a bigger piece of, of the puzzle. Um, and I think you guys do a really great job with that in season two. Um you did the Twilight Zone episode, which I talked about uh, a, a couple weeks ago as well, which is a tremendous episode of television that I honestly think doesn't get nearly enough <laughs> for, what it, for what it's doing. Like, I think it feels like a gimmick, right. and it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I adore that episode. Um, so to, to sort of um, talk from 30,000 feet for a second about the balance of the tone in the show, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's juggling a lot of comedy and earnestness and drama and all these sort of things. Were there shows that you thought about, movies that you thought about, things that inspired you as you were writing this show in any way? You know, it's funny because uh, it was a long time ago, so I can't remember specifically. Yeah, sure. But it's funny that you said it because their uh, JJ and Matt's office were right next to each other, and there was a picture of the two of them, and. Basically, I hadn't, I didn't write it with my hand. Somebody else wrote it, but I had said working for them, it was like Matt was like, make it emotional. And JJ was like, make it funny. <laughs> and so somebody put post its up underneath right. their pictures that said, make it emotional, make it funny. And so that was really the hard part of the show it was like, you know, we, we had to do both and, you know, it was fun and, you know, obviously we had more comedic characters with sure. Sean and Megan. And so that, you know, lent itself, uh, you know, Felicity wasn't, you know, a laugh riot, but, you know, um, <laughs> but, but I think we just, you know, I have to say, to be honest, it, it was definitely one of, if not the hardest show I've ever been on in terms of coming up with stories. I mean, we, sure. we were, I mean, we couldn't believe we were like, what? We have to keep going. Also, you know, it was 22 episodes. So, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, there, I love high school shows. I loved 902 and mm-hmm. I loved my so-called life. Uh, and the problem is, you know, as we often said in the room, there's no stakes in college. Like nobody cares if you don't go to class, nobody cares if you get bad grades, you know, 
Um, and so it was hard. It was a very hard show to come up. And the first season, which I wasn't on, was a little easier because it was like, I remember they had a whole list of like firsts. First time this happens. Yep. First time this happens. Yep. So then when you're in the second season, I was like, I guess we can't do seconds. <laughs> nobody wants to see that. Um, so yeah, it was it's, hard. It's funny you say that because, you know, we, we've done, uh, 20 something episodes of this mini series. Um, this in fact is the last episode of the mini series and, Watching it again, it's been so lovely to bathe in the pregnant pauses and the air that exists on the mm-hmm. show and and the fact that it's not in a rush to do things. Now, this is all antithetical to the television we write now, it seems. Yes, for sure. But at the time, there's something really wonderful about sitting there in these awkward moments, in these sort of, um, you know, just, just really languishing in the college experience and everything that comes with it. Um, you know, a show that I think in its own way weirdly sort of came to mind when I was <clears throat> watching this concurrently, which was Normal People, has sort of a similar vibe in terms mm-hmm. of being specific to a relationship and also just really kind of sitting in those moments between people. Um, you know, uh, someone that comes to mind as I was rewatching this with Cameron Crowe in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. those sort of the little moments, the, you know, how big you can make those little moments, I yes. think is... Yes, it's a real test. We were big fans of uh, of say anything, and uh, we were big fans of Jerry Maguire. And uh, Jennifer and I, uh, one night at like eleven thirty, on PCH, stopped at a Seven Eleven. I don't know why. Um, and Cameron Crowe was in the Seven Eleven. Oh wow! And he was like buying by himself, buying a six pack of beer. And I remember we went up to him and we were like. Just so you know, we're huge fans, um, and we love Jerry Maguire. And I'm sure he was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> it just came to Seven Eleven. Um, but I do have to say, he started telling us like, "Oh, I'm working on this new thing. It's about a, a kid who's a reporter, and it was almost famous." And it was just like, it was That's so, great. it was such a weird coincidence. But yeah, so yeah, we did That's- talk about saying anything a lot. Um, so in terms of the end of this show. So Warner Brothers or, or the WB says to you, we want you to do 17, right? It was it was a 17 episode order. You break that season. You write that season. You shoot that season. Correct. Wait, and, then and then they say we want five more. Yeah. I mean, I think it was more along the lines of you're doing 17. And I think we were like, are you sure we're doing 17? Because we're going to build towards graduation in, in 17. And it was like, yes, we're doing, you're doing 17, you're doing 17. And then after 17 was written, it, then it was, you know what? I think we should do five more. And, you know, the, the, the one thing people don't say when they talk about that is that they said to us, we want five more episodes. We're not giving you any more money. You can't make any new sets. Um, you just need to figure it out. And so, you know, we were like, what are we going to do? Like, we were like, do we just like an escape school? room? Yeah, exactly. And so I remember we talked about summer school for a while. And then we were like, no, that's boring. And then we were like, can they get jobs and still live in the dorm? So, yeah, it, it was not, we were not uh, pleased by that <laughs> late notice if they had told us earlier we could have adjusted but you know 17 it feels episodes. like it feels I, I like to approach it and i also just want to say when i watched the final episodes when they aired back in 2002 um it was a swing 
right? I mean, there was time travel all of a sudden on this show that did not really have time travel prior to this. So I didn't really know what to make of it. I didn't, I certainly didn't hate it, but I also just didn't really know what to make of it. Watching it now, I think it's great. Like, I think that you guys not just rose to the occasion, but you came up with something that kind of perfectly mirrors what it needed to do under the circumstances. You know, your hands are tied. You're, as you said, you know, budgetarily and otherwise. But watching these episodes again, I realize that there's an episode in season one, and I'm sure you know this, so I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but there's, a, there's an episode one uh, where Megan does a spell. And she cuts up the photo and she tears it up and she puts it in a beak or whatever. And, and, and it's alluded that perhaps Megan is the one that was able to, to essentially get Felicity and Ben together. Mm-hmm. Um, because that exists, it doesn't seem like that big a swing to me that she puts a spell at the end of the, at the end of the show. No, it, it didn't, it didn't fit us either. I mean, um, it's funny cause I was, I watched, uh, the last two last night. And uh, I was like, what? I wrote this? I don't, I don't remember any of that. Um, so then I went online because the one I really couldn't remember was the, I think it's episode 18, the one where Time she will tell. Yeah, where she does go back, which I believe I also wrote, but whatever. You did. <laughs> but I couldn't remember what happened. I was like, I think we jumped ahead in time and then we went. And then we went back in time. So I was reading about it and just, you know, I don't read anything online about anything I do, but like the vitriol of like, (laughs) what are they doing? This is insane, you know? And I have to say, I, I loved it from the time that we did it. I thought it was so fun. And like you said, it wasn't like we had a character who did spell. So it wasn't like completely out of nowhere. And it was, it felt so, you know, it felt so perfect for the show in the sense that, like, there were no people and there were Ben people. Let's give the no people what they want and yeah. show them what would have happened. And yeah. yes, she ends up with Ben, but at least we gave it a shot. Um, so that's, you know, for, for us, it felt like, it, it, I mean, it wasn't our first idea, obviously, but once we settled on it, it just felt like the right thing to do, you know? I also want to say, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty firmly a team Noel person, um, probably because I feel more more like Noel than I do Ben. Sure. Um, despite the fact that I am Canadian, like Scott Speedman, that's not enough for me. But I'll say this: uh, what you guys successfully did in those last five episodes was get me on board for Ben and Felicity ending up together. Mm-hmm. Him and 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 him believing her. Right. When during the time travel part of it and showing the fact that, I mean, you do first and foremost in the, in the first series finale titled the graduate, you have Ben go to California to follow Felicity, the mirror of course, of, of her following him, Mm -hmm. which is a perfect symmetry to the show and would have been great way for the show to end. (laughs) Yes. But you find a way to, to buy that back and to like, to just kind of shatter that at the top of the, the first five episodes and find a way to get him back in our good graces in a really interesting way. And in a heartfelt way that I think that these people that are, you know, that's hairs on fire online either can't see because they're too wrapped up in the conceit mm-hmm. to see that you guys have really, I think done a really beautiful job of making sure that, um, that you honor the characters. I mean, this comes to my, to my next question, which is, 
you know, a series finale is an incredibly difficult thing. And you did it <laughs> twice for the same show. <laughs> um, what are sort of the things that you felt? I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. There's expectations on making sure that you do everybody justice and that you end the show in a way that feels satisfying. But, you know, what what are sort of the things that were going through your head as you were doing this, I mean, twice? Um, I mean, the first time, I'm sure it was a lot more pleasant because <laughs> we had planned. It was like sure. graduations. Obviously, this is where the show should end. Um, and so, and yeah, we wanted, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were true to the characters and that, you know, it, we did like Ben following Felicity and it just felt like the right end to the show. The second finale, um, uh, it's funny because I, when I was watching last night, um, that scene where Ben, uh, where she, where Ben does tell her, uh, I believe you after he gets that phone call. I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I like really am totally with Ben right now. Um, cause it really, you really do feel like, oh, okay. He clearly loves her and you know, he's, he's her guy. Um, and then the other thing I was reading last night, unfortunately, was like, oh, they made this into a clip episode. This is so lazy. And, the funny thing is, reading this stuff, I don't know. I, reading this. I was trying to read it to remind me what happened and somehow <laughs> terrible stuff occurred. Yeah, sure. Um, but that was such a miserable experience doing the clip because it's not like somebody else was doing, picking. <laughs> we were picking the clips and I remember we just had all these cards on the board of all these scenes and we had to choose like which ones we wanted. And then we had to watch to make sure we were remembering it right. So it, for anybody who says like, oh, it's the easy way out, let me tell you, it was quite the opposite of the easy way out. Um, and it, I think there were many times where you're like, oh, why did we decide to do it this way? Um, but again, watching it last night, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. It's not like a clip show. Like it's, you know, all these things are pointing to what Felicity went through for four years. And I just thought, I don't know, when I watched that, I just thought, oh, my God, it's so nice that, you know, you see her in the freshman year and you see her all through the years. And it really, you know, it was emotional. And so it just felt, uh, I don't know, it felt right to me. And it felt like we made the right choice to do that, despite the, you know, pain of picking clips. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's one of those things where, and again, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but, you know, when you're approaching a season f- series finale, you have to be thinking about, you need to make the you have to weirdly make it nostalgic so mm-hmm. that people think back on the show that they've watched, you know, however many episodes of. Um, and at the same time, you don't want it to seem contrived. Right. And I think that you guys found a way. I, I think the whole tree thing, I think the whole spell thing is is really nice. And I think it works to your benefit, to your point of getting to have a physical representation of her past that triggers these various sort of flashbacks and what have you. I thought it worked really well. I also think that, I mean, Carrie Russell can do no wrong. You just point a camera at her and she's going to radiate all of this emotion that you meet sure. her to. Um, and she does it really beautifully in this episode. I think they're also, you know, that the symmetry of the final, final shot being ultimately the spark of the show, which is the moment that Felicity thinks that Ben might like her, <laughs> which is insane, but it mm-hmm. is, is just a, a really kind of, amazing moment um you guys really found a way i think 
under extreme circumstances to bottle the show into five episodes um, and pay off everything. I think that you also, I mean, just to, to, to quickly kind of not recap, but you know, you guys bring back old flames, which you create wedges in already solid relationships. You know, Julie comes back and, uh, obviously Hannah comes back in the form of uh, Jennifer Garner, <laughs> yes. I'm assuming in between shots of Alias. Yes. Um, <laughs> we were right next to each other, so it was fine. <laughs> but it's it's just, you know what I mean? Like that, all, finding ways to do all of that is, is hard on a good day. But for you guys to also be so hamstrung to do it is a real testament to to uh, to all of you. So I, I really hope that you know how great it is. Well, I appreciate uh, you saying that because you know it was it was a lot of work. But I have to say we were excited, like oh, we can bring Amy Joe back now, and we can you know tell this story, and we can bring back Jennifer Garner if we can get her off the other set, and it'll <laughs> it'll, sure. it'll just be fun, you know. And so I felt like we had it just gave us you know more opportunity uh, to do stuff that we wanted to do, which, you know, looking back now, I'm probably like, Oh, that was so great. I'm sure at the time I was like, Oh my God, how are we going to do this? <laughs> but um, the one thing I do remember, and I do, the reason why I like the last episode so much as well is because um, I remember that Carrie was so happy because she got to do like comedy and all this weird stuff, which she normally did not get to do. And I just thought it was really fun to see her like just like let herself go and I thought she was hilarious and I think that was that was also part of the fun of it it was just seeing you know Felicity sort of going crazy but you know not really going crazy <laughs> um so yeah it, it was nice to see that I wish I I honestly wish that she did more comedy or that more people gave her opportunities for that I think that now with uh uh, with Elizabeth from yeah. <laughs> the Americans solidified in people's minds, it's going to be even harder for her to do comedy. But that's true. Um, so, I, did you guys get any pushback on the time travel pitch, or was everybody on board with it from from essentially the jump? I'm just curious as to sort of how the process was of because it's a big swing. Yeah, I mean, I think from what I recall, it was one of those things where they probably questioned it, but I think. You know, they knew, I think we were like, what choice are you giving us, really? You know, <laughs> so I don't think there's a lot of other options except for, you know, summer school and Felicity gets a job in the cafeteria. Um, so I don't remember it being a big fight. And there were plenty of, you know, fights we had on the show, but I don't think that was one of them. I think that, you know, it was like, I think they were into it too, actually, at the time. I, it's, it's, I think it's, <laughs> watching it again, I'm like, it's the only option. Like, right. I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't even know what you could have done that would have been even remotely as satisfying. No, I so, agree. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's great stuff. Um, did you, and, and I know that, you know, Felicity is not, you know, a top of mind, but do you have sort of a favorite episode or a favorite memory or, or an arc that you really loved or, or anything sort of general that, that speaks to you about the show? Um, because you did other, I mean, you you worked on Everwood, correct? After this, mm-hmm. so like you worked on other shows that had sort of this earnest kind of component, sure. um, you know. And and I, I mean, forgive me, I'm not sure that Dynasty has that has that component really. Um, no. but <laughs> but I'm just not. sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel like it stayed with you? Are there lessons you've learned from Felicity that might have you know spoken to you? Yeah, definitely, and you know, and I, after. 
ever would. I worked somewhere on the, no, or before ever was. I worked on American Dreams, which was also right, right, right. Which was also you know earnest in a lovely way, which I loved. Um, so what about Brian? Was also pretty. Yes, nice. exactly. I'm uh, Mr. Ernest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just who I am. Um, but you know, I remember like when we would break story, you know we were always behind. And so I remember, you know, it would be at the end of the act on the car, we would just write plus for meaning it was a positive moment. And we'd go <laughs> plus negative, plus negative. And so still the weird way we broke story, it, it's still, you know, I still think about it when I'm breaking story now and like getting to act outs. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm Felicity. We would sort of do this. And, but we have cards that literally when Felicity would say, I would, we would be writing the script and I would get to a card and it would say F slash B fight. And that was all I would say. And I'd be like, Felicity and Ben are fighting. I don't know what they're fighting about. I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> but that was when we were behind. Um, and it, you know, the, I mean, the weird thing, this is going to sound like I'm lying, but it's not is that I do remember the haircut episode very well. Because uh, we were on set, I, fe- I think maybe until it was either two or three. And, you know, some of her hair was actually being cut on set as we were shooting. And basically, I remember it because <clears throat> my wife, who I'm not sure was my wife yet, but it was close to being my wife, was so mad at me because she had been calling me all night and I was on set and I wasn't mm-hmm. answering. I don't, and I don't know if I, I can't remember where cell phones were at the time, but I remember getting home at three o'clock and we had like a huge fight. I was like, we were cutting her hair. I couldn't get off the set. Like I just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, and she remembers that too. It's certainly a moment that, that neither of us forget because we don't really fight, but that was definitely a, a, a big one. Um, I do love that that, that the haircut had an, a tangible effect on your actual life. It it's really did. Fantastic. It it's, really, really did. did. So speaking of the haircut, just very quickly, sure. um, did you guys know or have any inkling of what was going to happen? Like, did you know that, that, cause like, did you, I guess we, did you know how iconic her hair was? Did you know that this was going to be as big a deal? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we definitely knew how iconic her hair was. That was definitely for sure. True. Um, I don't think we thought people would react like that. Um, (laughs) and, and so negatively, I mean, when she, I'm sure that somebody has told you the story of how we put a wig on or something to like freak you guys out. She sent a picture to JJ and Matt with a wig on and they showed us the picture and we were like, Oh my God, she looks great. And it was, she looks great no matter what she right, does. Right, yeah. that's true. Um, but, you know, we had never seen her. It wasn't like sure. it was as short as it was on the show, but it was definitely short. And so we were like, gee, I wonder if we can cut her hair. And we, you know, talked about it. And it was never like people are going to freak out. But we knew it was like a big thing of like people are definitely going to have opinions. Uh, you know, the one thing I don't like, which obviously – I'm biased because I was on the show is that people think, Oh yeah, they cut her hair and the show got canceled. And I always like, no, the show was on for three seasons after that, basically all of two, three and four. Um, So that part always bums me out. It's an interesting situation. Cause I do, first and foremost, there is an amazing quote 
um, JJ had to like issue a statement, like li- literally the statement. If you were, it would, it sounded presidential almost. It sounded like there was some sort of, it was, and, and I say this not, not to, not to denigrate JJ, but it was so clear that Warner Brothers was so freaked out by what was happening right. that they needed to like staunch the bleeding in some way or another. And this is at a time when showrunners truly didn't kind of mean what they mean now. It no, certainly didn't sure. mean what they mean now. Yeah. So to have JJ issue a statement in the New York Times about Felicity's hair is just a real time capsule moment. But but it's interesting too because I think to myself, say it didn't happen. Say you guys didn't cut her hair. Say you found another way to, or you did everything else, but you didn't cut her hair. Whatever it is, um, I don't know that the show has as much of a footprint. Like I think it in a way the haircut is a badge of honor. No, I agree, and I, and I think like you know, the number of stories coming out of the haircut, you know, really helped us. I mean, and, you know, and getting to the episode finally, I think it was episode 11 in season two, where, where she, where they get caught and she admits, I hate my haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like we had so much, there was so much more like emotion and like, yeah. you know, it's like the scene uh, in the pilot of my so-called life at the end when, Claire Danes gets into bed with her mother and it's like, I hate my hair. Um, I'm sure, you know, we were totally ripping that off. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, it, it, it just, I don't know. It, it does feel like, it feels like that's, an, that's a part of the show. Like we could, the show would not have been the same without that. And, you know, it's just, it just felt right, you know? And, and uh, I was just thinking of the episode before that, which was a really, I think an episode I wrote, which I really enjoyed, which was when they got caught in the pool uh, I remember we filmed that at USC and it was like 11 mm-hmm. o'clock mm-hmm. and the water was freezing. <laughs> and I remember Carrie was miserable and Carrie never complained about anything. Um, <laughs> ever. And I just remember like, oh God, I, we felt so bad because they would go in the pool and then they would run out. And there was like a hot shower and they would go into that. It was just terrible. But that was one of my favorite episodes, uh, actually, that I think it was it's a great episode. Great expectations, I believe. Great expectations. Yeah, it was the it was the first episode of uh, 2000. So it was like it, after the break, oh. the Christmas break, it was the first one back. Um you know, there's a moment in my arguably my favorite show ever, which is Six Feet Under. Um, there's a moment when Claire turns to her mom and she says she's they're sitting on the porch or whatever. And she's she's fucking, fucking with her hair or whatever. And she says, I just want to cut off all my hair like Felicity. And uh, and Francis Conroy says, oh, is is that a friend of yours that I've met? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's been over for dinner. And it's like this moment where like my two two of my favorite things merge in this weird fictional universe that I just think is fantastic. That's very funny. Um, so, I'm, I'm worried about Brian. Barry Watson uh, cut his hair at one point and I put in a joke where somebody <laughs> did call him Felicity. I think it's a nice haircut, Felicity. So I, That's yeah, fantastic. I kept it going. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this, Josh. I know that you're you know, incredibly busy. Your show in a pandemic. I can't imagine all the, the, the uh, place that you're spending right now. So I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, listen, I appreciate you having me. I hope I wasn't a giant disappointment. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You were not a disappointment. <laughs> um, you were fantastic. I appreciate all the kind things that you've said about the show and about me. And so, you know right there it's 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 all it's all true and uh i really do appreciate you know this is as i said it's the end of this series so to have someone who was there in the room while these all these sort of big creative decisions were happening is uh is really i think our listeners are gonna love it so i really appreciate that great thank you very much podcast like it just podcast like it podcast like it
like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want the podcast like it's 1999. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.